0: Pastor Doug here from Crossroads. It's great to be with you. I hope that today's message will draw you closer to Jesus. Good to be with you today. We're starting off a new series, Course Corrections, and for the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about some course corrections that happened in the early church, but it didn't just happen then. There's things that have still went on in um, recent, you know, centuries and decades, things that still happen today. And the great news is this, is that God always offers course corrections. He always offers grace, mercy, and forgiveness. And he always offers a fresh start when we seek after him. So today we're gonna talk about falsified. I wanna talk about false teachers and about false prophets. Uh, A couple, the other month we were at uh, my mother-in-law's house, she attends the same church that I grew up in, great church, uh, great pastor that is there right now, and she was telling us it was the oddest thing, it was Sunday afternoon, she said that morning her pastor started off the sermon and he spent a decent amount of time apologizing for false information he had spread the previous weeks. And I didn't have to even ask what it was all about because I was 90% sure. Uh, In the mess of that were all things the end of a 20-year war and the messy exit from Afghanistan, one of the great falsehoods that was being shared uh, on social media and by churches of all different sizes was all about persecution of Christians in Afghanistan. And you can talk accurately about persecution around the world. It just happened that this one thing that was being shared in bulk, in mass, wasn't true. So I knew what he was going to be talking about, but was I curious about how he handled that situation? Well, you, you bet I was. Uh, so just a few days later, I logged on and I was watching his sermon. And, you know, he owned it right up front. He owned that he had shared false information. And I love that it wasn't buried, you know, like eight pages down in their newsletter or something like that. He owned it right up front about what was false, what wasn't true. And, you know, I grew in respect and admiration for this pastor. But he went even further than that. He went what I would call beyond the extra mile because he worked his network. He worked his network to get a hold of somebody in Afghanistan so he could talk directly to them. And he was sharing that, you know, it isn't just that my information was false. It was so false. And then he went on to share from this Christian in Afghanistan, from this pastor, this leader, their perspective of what all was going on. And I want to be clear on this, you know, whenever you share false information, that doesn't immediately make you a false teacher. Uh, Whenever you misteach a passage just because you didn't know any better, that doesn't make you a false teacher. What does, though, is what? Whenever you become aware of it, you become aware that it was false information, or you become aware that you were theologically incorrect and then you don't go and make it right. You don't go and course correct. You don't go and own your fault or your mistake. And man, this whole idea of false teaching and false prophets, it isn't something that just happens now or over the past decade. It isn't something that happened just, you know, in the early church, because it did. Man, it happened well before Jesus entered earth in a human body well before then so let's go back to jeremiah i want to start with jeremiah and i want you to hear his words when it comes to this whole idea of false prophecy and false teaching verse 16 he says this this is what the lord of heaven's army says to his people do not listen to these prophets when they prophesy to you filling you with futile hopes they are making up everything they say. They do not speak for the Lord. This has always been a problem. People speaking on God's behalf, but not really saying what God had to say. There's a whole bunch of different reasons why this happens. For some people, it's you know, all about an agenda. They have an agenda that they want to push forward. So they are twisting or manipulating Scripture. Uh, For some people, it's all about they want to grow in stature or authority. And so they will add, you know, the words, God told me so to so many things just to get to where they want to be. There are some people who will always over-spiritualize everything, right? Uh, That random conversation, that dream at night, and they'll make everything all about God. It's like, well, I had this dream, so therefore God told me, and they'll just put it forward and throughout human history followers of God have had to constantly navigate between people who are teaching with authenticity and humility and those that are teaching with a gender or teaching and proclaiming God's truth but it's really not what God had to say and the problems are limitless and the problems are real and False teaching and false prophecy harms the kingdom of God. Let me give you a, just a small example, and we'll go to a larger example. Small example. Earlier in ministry, Doug Pastor young 20-something. I was on staff at a church. I was on the board. And our, our board was comprised uh, partially of elders and church board members. And there was this one elder. And, and whenever things weren't going his way, In other words, whenever something was being discussed, and it seemed rather apparent it wasn't going to vote or go for what he thought, this is what he would always do. Well, God told me that we should. And then you just fill in the blank. And it was a pattern. And he did it again and again and again. In those times as a young pastor, there were some things I was thankful for, right? I was thankful I wasn't the senior pastor. Because I knew that this had to be dealt with, that this elder had to be caught on the carpet, and I knew it would likely only end in one way. Those are some small ways that you can have some false teaching or false prophecy. But man, sex and cults over our history, even over our modern history, how incredibly real have they been? As false teachers or false prophets have proclaimed something in God's name that wasn't all in God's name and people have... Harmed themselves, taken their own lives, or harmed others, all because they were following a false teacher or a false prophet. And God's always been so incredibly serious about this. I mean, the consequences are so real, so devastating of false teaching and false prophecy. God takes this so incredibly seriously. Look at Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 18. Gives you an idea of how serious God takes us. But any prophet, any prophet who falsely claims to speak in my name or who speaks the name of another God must die. I mean, that's serious. Now, we're talking Old Covenant, and we're glad we're not part of the Old Covenant. We're glad that we are people of the New Covenant, right? But this is how incredibly clear and real this is. That when you proclaim something in God's name and it's not real, God takes it seriously. So incredibly seriously. Now come on, when I mess up, I don't want to be stoned when somebody else messes up. I don't want to do the stoning. But I fully get how serious God is when it comes to the area of false teaching and false prophecy. And you can't overexpress how God looks and views false teaching and false prophecy. And why is it? Why is that? Why is it that this brings on God's wrath? Why is it that this just so heavily brings on God's wrath? See, the Spiritual consequences are so incredibly great when we misrepresent God. People have walked away from God. People have walked away from the church when a false prophet puts something out there and then it doesn't come to pass. They just say, well, nothing must be real, and they walk away. People have proclaimed and tried to live by a false gospel when they've been following a false teacher. And it's just not spiritual consequences, man. There are emotional, mental, physical consequences to false teaching and false prophecy. And the way that we live out a life of faith varies in all the wrong directions when we begin to believe or follow false teaching and false prophets. In other words, there are both some very real here and now and some eternal consequences to falling into the trap of false prophecy and false teaching. And those are some of the reasons why God takes this so incredibly seriously. So how do you know? I mean, that's a question that probably any of us want to ask. How do you know? How do you know when somebody's a false prophet? How do you know when somebody's a false teacher? Well, let's stay in Deuteronomy 18. Just go to the very next verse. But you may wonder, because you're smart people, you're asking the question how will we know whether or not a prophecy is from the Lord? Here's the answer. If the prophet speaks in the Lord's name, but his prediction does not happen or come true, you will know that the Lord did not give that message. The prophet has spoken without my authority and need not be feared. And it really is that simple. A prophecy that was made and a prophecy was not fulfilled. It really is that simple. Then you know the individual is a false prophet prophet. Now, let's make sure we're being clear on this. How many times, how many times do you get to say, God told me something, and then it doesn't come to pass, it doesn't come true, or doesn't come true when you said it wasn't true? In other words, how many times do you get to do that? Because a false prophet, a false teacher, it's not like a predetermined position, oh, you'll be a prophet. It's not a paid position, oh, you're going to be a prophet. This is anybody who speaks in God's name, anybody who teaches in God's name and claims his authority. How many times do you get to make a false prophecy until you're determined to be a false prophet? Once. I mean, it is like once and done. And scripture's incredibly clear on this. But it's one of the things that we have so missed. If I remember, it's like 10 plus years ago back whenever elections weren't nearly as controversial as they are now and I remember this woman who was just putting it out there when she was speaking and on social media you know God had revealed to her who was going to win the election God had made it crystal clear to her and I know the polls were tight it was sort of 50 50 I didn't really care both candidates they had their pros and their cons but I was interested what would happen she was wrong and if people were following Scripture, it would be very clear she was a false prophet and she would lose her authority and her integrity and those pieces would come to an end. Scripture's been incredibly clear on this, but again and again, it doesn't get applied all that well in life. Around the turn of the millennium, let's go back and party like it's 1999, Right? Uh, around the turn of the millennium, all my words, were were there like pastors? Uh, were there individuals? Uh, then they were like proclaiming, you know, uh, either Jesus' return or the world's end, or all these kind of horrible things were going to happen. And I remember this one pastor, this one church that was being Followed in the news because they were putting out very clear, specific dates about Jesus' return. You know, they rented out a billboard, you know, in their town, billboards, to put this message out. And I don't know about you, but does that just make you think, man, was I glad the back around that whole Y2K piece, social media wasn't a thing. Uh, because like, like with all the conspiracy theories and all the lies that were being put out there, if social media was a thing, it would have been so much worse. But I was tracking this guy because it was national news, and I fully believe that Jesus is going to return. Just most likely not when anybody's predicting or saying he will is my personal belief. And the day came and the date passed. What's the pastor going to say? And he comes out and he says this. That was just the spiritual returning of Jesus. That was just the spiritual returning. Jesus is going to return in physical form, and here's the new date. And he put a date out there. And he didn't even buy himself like a decade or a full year, right? It was just like, just like a date further down the road. And it continued to make national news, and I, like so many other people, were just watching and waiting. What would happen? Surprised the day it came and passed, and Jesus didn't physically return, that any of us are aware of. What would he do? Silence. Nothing. But what surprised me, and what was so incredibly hard to handle, is that hundreds of people still continued to follow him, even though his prophecy was false and he was proven. False. I so believe that harms the heart of God. So believe that harms the kingdom of God. But it is something that happens way too often. If you've been following the news this year, let's just go to this year, right? 2021 pastors and people proclaiming in God's name God's revealed through a dream or God's given me this date of this authority then where one you know like presidential party is going to come to power and one presidential party is going to leave power and they've put forth dates and the dates have come to pass again and again and there's one pastor I was following and this is one church that is because it's not a small church, not a medium church, not just a church of a few thousand. This is like a mega church that was putting out incredibly clear dates. And date one came to pass that the pastor said, God told me so, and date two came to pass where God had reaffirmed and told him so. What happened? What happened? God's incredibly clear on false prophecy and false teaching. So, what happened? A letter from his church leadership came out and said, Pastor so-and-so has been relieved of their responsibilities. And I love that wording, it's so diplomatic, right? When I get a letter from my bishop saying, I've been relieved of my responsibilities, I know what that means, right? I've been fired, I've been canned, I'm out of there. And in the process of all of this, Being fired, he left his wife, and he walked away from his family. His wife, this year, he was being interviewed. I'd love this one line that she gave. So incredibly hard, but she had this insight. She said he never really humbled himself enough to get healing for his soul and seal the cracks. And character is so incredibly important. We're going to get to Jesus' words in a little bit. And if you're full of pride and you have a hard time humbling yourself, how incredibly hard is it to admit that you were wrong, that you were a false proffer, that you taught a passage incorrectly, you were a false teacher? How incredibly hard is it? And being fired is bad and leaving your wife and family, that's horrible. But what I believe happened that is so, so much worse. Thousands of people in his church followed him as He left. Why? Why is that? Is God not clear? Is Scripture not clear? They did it because He was saying what they wanted to hear. That's something that's been true for thousands of years. But man, have I never experienced anything like this in my 25 plus years of ministry? This past summer, I I got to spend time with a pastor who has been a long hauler. 50 plus years, full-time ministry. And I said, just tell me I'm not crazy. Tell me like these past 18 months haven't been the most difficult time. He's like, oh, Doug, I have never experienced anything like it in 50 plus years. People leaving our church just because you won't say what they want to hear. But that's nothing new. Let's go to 2 Timothy 4. Apostle Paul giving Timothy some very clear instruction on how to conduct himself, how to live out, how to preach the word. And in verse 2, he says this, Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. See, if I'm doing my job right, if any teacher's doing their job right, any preacher, any small group, even leader, you're going to get a mix of these three things, right? If it's all encouragement, missing the mark. If it's all rebuke, missing the mark. It's a piece of these three things. That's what course correction is all about, right? And Paul goes on in verse 3, and he gives this word, for a time is coming, For time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject reject the truth and chase after myths let me say it again this isn't new this has happened for thousands of years and there's stuff that you know that you and I can look back on and we can laugh about and there's stuff that makes us want to scream and cry And you have your own set of stories, right? But when I think back to my childhood, to growing up in my church, here's some of the things that make me think about this. You won't say that dancing is wrong. Therefore, I'm going to go to a church that says dancing is wrong. You won't say that drums are from the devil or that, like, you know, rock music is horrible. Therefore, I'm going to go to a church that says these things are horrible. You won't tell me, man, after I've bared my soul and shared my story, you won't tell me that I should go out and divorce my spouse. I'm going to go and find a church that will tell me what I want to hear. Your church, your denomination believes in women and ministry. I'm going to go find a church who says the opposite. And the list can go on and on and on. But it's usually just a few odd cases scattered across the years. But isn't it now like a whole different level? Uh, you won't say that and teach QAnon stuff. I'm going to go to a church where they preach and teach QAnon stuff. You won't say that the pandemic's just like this big fraud and fake you're actually saying the opposite. I'm going to go to a church that says what I want to hear. I mean, and that's just a sampling of what pastors and churches have been dealing with and going through in the, over the past two years. Paul Washer, don't know who Paul is, but I love this. One of the greatest distinguishing marks of a false prophet is that he will always tell you what you want to hear. He will never rain on your parade. He will get you clapping. He will get you jumping. He will make you dizzy. He will keep you entertained. And he will present a Christianity to you that will make your church like a Six Flags Over Jesus. Okay, that last phrase is just hilarious, everybody, right? But here's what Paul is saying in a humorous, humorous way that we know to be true throughout the scriptures. Prophets? Most usually, they are not liked. Prophets are like on the fringes of society. Prophets are saying things that people don't want to hear. That's the scriptural model that we see so incredibly often for prophets. John MacArthur, he's a whole lot more direct and a whole lot less fun. He says this. The minister The minister who caters his message to the whims of the world, telling unregenerate hearts only what they want to hear has sold out. There's some things that I am so incredibly thankful for. There's things that I appreciate so much more now than than I did even 25 years ago. I mean, young Doug in his 20s going to seminary? I went through my systematic theology. I went through my New Testament theology because I had to. Now I lean in those directions because I want to. But man, I am so incredibly glad for those kind of foundations that help me navigate between truth and lies, between true and false teaching. I'm so incredibly thankful that I have a great set of commentaries that I get to look back at that can tell me when I'm teaching a passage correctly or when I'm sort of missing the mark in some way. I'm incredibly thankful that we as a church are part of a denomination. And there's great things about non-denominational churches. I'm I'm not slamming them whatsoever at all. But there is a different level of accountability that comes from a healthy denomination. Let me say it my way. This isn't what words that anybody else would use if I miss the mark, if I'm false teaching, if I'm putting out false prophecy, I will receive a non-optional invitation to the principal's office. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. I am so incredibly thankful for theological scholars that we have within our denomination that can show when we're heir or help explore What's going on when we're looking at a world and a society changing around us? And just a side note, I'm incredibly thankful I've never been called to the principal's office. (laughs) But if that day comes where I am, I don't want to hide it. I don't want to stuff it down. I don't want it to be at the bottom of our e-news. I want to be the kind of a pastor who owns it up front. And I want us to be a church that is so full of love and grace that we offer course corrections, we offer redemption and restoration. I mean, I don't want like a small group leader or a Sunday school teacher to be so like freaked out by this whole, I don't want to be a false teacher thing that they refuse to serve. We want to be a place of grace and love and restoration. Would you believe that not all churches are that way? Would you believe that not all Christians operate that way? Earlier this year, if you were following the news, once again, this is the pastor who made the news in a more powerful but sad way. Pastor with a very large social media following back in January. He published a long explanation saying that he had misinterpreted dreams and he wished to repent and ask for forgiveness. Misinterpreted dreams and he wants to repent and ask for forgiveness. Now here's what we we really hope would have happened, right? For all the Jesus followers so that were following him, they would have offered grace and love and forgiveness, but here's what happened. Blow back was swift and a few days later this pastor wrote on his facebook and this made national news this is what he wrote on facebook he had received multiple death threats and thousands upon thousands of emails from christians saying the nastiest and most vulgar things i have ever heard towards my family and ministry why is that? We, we know that's not scriptural. We know that doesn't align with what Jesus teaches and has to say. Why is that? Why did that happen? Because this pastor simply stopped saying things that people wanted to hear. Past few years in an increasingly polarized nation, we, so, we see so many Jesus followers selling out to one political party or another political party. Just to draw a crowd or to make sure they don't lose their crowd. And if you follow Carrie Newhoff, he's pretty direct. And he says it like this. He says, when your church becomes a mouthpiece for a political party, you cease to be the church. I say it like this. We can talk about issues all day long from a Jesus perspective. From a Jesus perspective. That means we get to be equal opportunity offenders. That means at times I need to offend myself. And if you're ever reading and dealing and digging into Scripture, here's some things that you're going to find. There are going to be times where you know it pushes you. It, it creates tension in you. There's going to be things that are hard for you to work through. There certainly are for me, but we're going to own that tension. We're going to navigate and work through that tension. Here's another fun way of saying it. If God has all the same opinions that I do, I'm probably worshiping myself and not God. If God has all the same opinions that you do, you're probably worshiping yourself and not God. One last piece on identifying a false teacher. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus has this to say He says, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. And then he clarifies what kind of fruit he's talking about. You can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way that they act. It's a character piece. Come on. In the day and age of so many evangelical sexual scandals, the day and age of so much false teaching and false prophecy, here's what we often do. We excuse the leader. We excuse the preacher. We excuse because, well, look at how good that God's doing. All the people are coming to Christ. All the people that are being baptized. All the people that are being saved around the world. And Jesus says, not so fast. That's not the kind of fruit I'm talking about. You can identify them by the way that they act. One last fun quote on a very heavy subject. Zachary says this. He says, Yes, being a heretic makes you a false teacher, but being a jerk also makes you a false teacher. I mean, if I ever get a tattoo, this is on my short list, right? (laughs) Being a heretic makes you a false teacher, but being a jerk does too. I mean, that's a great conversation starter, but that's so incredibly true, isn't it? So what do you do? Here's what I'm asking of you. What do you do? One thing is this, on your bulletin, not the piece you're going to drop in, but on your bulletin at the very top, I listed it. It's not an exhaustive list, but it is a list of scriptures about false teaching. And if over the course of these coming days or weeks, you would just take some time and you would dig in, and these are all New Testament scriptures, you would just dig in into the teaching about false teaching and false prophecy, it'll make you all the better to navigate a world filled with false teaching and false prophecy. And then your connection card. If you want to make a statement, I know this is tough, guys. If I did my job right, I offended everybody here today, including myself. I want to put into practice the instruction of 1 Timothy chapter 4 to guard against false teaching. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physically, training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Train yourself. Your quiet time, your time in Scripture, your time with God, your time reading and growing and maturing. Train yourself. Let's pray. Father, we recognize that this area of false teaching and false prophecy, it is nothing new under the sun. It's not just something that happened 2,000 years ago in the early church. Man, this has been around almost as long as humankind has been around. Father, would you help us? Would you allow us to guard ourselves against false teaching and false prophecy? May you give us insight and wisdom, and may that come out of our time that we spend with you, time in your word. Help us not to fall into these traps or to spread falsehoods or lies. Instead, allow us to be people, men and women of integrity, people after your own heart who are willing to proclaim the truth even when it's not what people want to hear. May you be glorified. May you be praised. May your kingdom grow. And may your church worldwide be known as a place of truth and love and forgiveness and grace. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. Any step you take towards Jesus is a step in the right direction. You can find out more about us at CRBIC.org. That's CRBIC.org.